Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Staples show turning the tables edition when I when I hear from this guy it usually means I've got to go on somebody else's show so I'm making him come on my show you know him as McLovin on the Dan Patrick show his name is Andrew Perloff we used to work together at Sports Illustrated and uh Andrew I got called I got called in for the for the Dan Patrick show this week and it was my my favorite situation and by favorite I mean least favorite Every time it feels like they call me, unless there's like some major game result that we want to talk about, usually it's off-season, some sort of weird rules thing going on, and I have to explain some sort of in-the-weeds college rule thing to a casual audience that does not care (laughs) about the rules of college sports. So for me this week, it was the Alliance. I got to tell you, so we were on vacation last week. I was in Williamsburg, Virginia. I have a restaurant for you, Andy, that I'll get to later. Uh, wait, wait, were you going to the Little League World Series? Or no, uh, we're doing historic Colonial Williamsburg and Water Park okay. USA right. tied to Bush Gardens. Amazing. For, former Wet and Wild Lifeguard here, big fan of water yeah, yeah. parks. They have a th- the, the more dangerous, the more <laughs> lawsuit ready, the better. We survived, is all I can say. There's something called the vanishing point where the floor goes out from underneath you. And you fall 20 feet. We called that the Bombay, yeah. and I used to mess with everybody on that thing. It was the greatest, greatest job I so ever had. So I'm having a great time. And then last week, I started seeing the tweets. The Alliance, the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten are joining forces. So me, this is how it works on our end. Me and Dan Patrick and Paul Paps and Seton O'Connor and Todd Fritz start texting. Oh, this is huge. We got to have some guests next week. Then it comes a weekend and I start looking at the story. So the Alliance, does that mean like that we're going to see USC play Ohio State next week or uh, Clemson and Northwestern are going to be a rivalry? And then I'm like, well, scheduling isn't going to be affected just yet. And then I read, well, a lot of details are not uh, are not really uh, ironed out yet. So I'm like, well, what the heck is this story? Then we start uh, talking about who should we have on our guests? Of course, our first choice. Heather Danich, and uh, she came on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) But our our second choice was, of course, Andy Staples. And I was thinking to myself, right before you came on, I'm like, wow, Andy has his work cut out for him because I don't know what there is actually finite to report about this. You're like, this is so boring. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's... but on the surface, it sounds huge. It sounds huge. The Alliance. The Alliance. It's, it's branded so well. It's like the SEC it's, versus the rest of the world. It's like a Marvel movie, except that when you get into the weeds, what's actually happening here? I yeah. still don't know, by the way. And you were on. Yeah. No offense. But yeah. you, didn't, you didn't answer any of the questions. Uh, I know. Monday. Well, they didn't. They hadn't announced it yet. Now they have officially announced okay. it. Andrew and I are recording this about two hours after the press conference with Jim Phillips from the ACC and Kevin Warren from the Big Ten and George Klyavkov from from the Pac-12, and they have announced it. And it, and it, what they're basically saying is they are like-minded 
41 universities that share, that share common values, and they want to defend and protect the collegiate model in the face of a changing landscape. Huh? That's what they want to do. And that's a big story. Why? Um, because they did something because the SEC did a thing. The SEC got Texas and Oklahoma. And I'm speaking as the fan here. That seems huge. Having like-mindedness. Yes, that is huge. Having the agreement to be like-minded. Not huge. Not huge. Wait, it, it gets better. They didn't sign anything. <laughs> and, and so they got, they got asked about, well, why didn't you sign anything to formalize this union? And they talked about, they, they looked each other in the eye. And that's all, there's got to be trust in college sports. So they looked each other in the eye. And that's when they knew they could trust one another. And this would be an unbreakable, unshakable bond. This sounds like when you're stringing along a person that you don't want to ask to marry you yet, and you're coming up with excuses and nothing is actually happening. Like, is this so? Oh, no, that, that's, that's the rest of the Big 12. That's the remainder oh, okay. of the Big 12. Because we naturally asked them, well, what about the Big 12? And they said, well, we... We care about the Big 12, and the college sports needs the Big 12 to be strong. And so the next question was, of course, so why didn't you invite them in your little clubhouse? And they, there's no real answer oh, for that. They, they don't have a good answer for that. No, the real So it, it, is, it is interesting, though, because two of those leagues have taken schools from the Big 12 in the last 11 years. Yeah. Nobody mentioned that. But here are, the, here are the questions everyone wants to know. I'll be the caller. When are we going to start to all see? Right, when right. are we going to start to see scheduling being impacted? And years from now. And years. when are we going to see the expansion of the college football playoffs? And does this story okay. tie into that? I uh, yes, in a way. Okay, so here's the scheduling thing. Uh, Klyavkov, by the way, I love him. I hope he never changes. He's brand new. He just took the job at the Pac-12. Uh, he was with MGM Resorts and Casinos. Uh, he, he's worked at Hulu. He's got a really interesting resume. Seems like a, a, a very smart guy. He just answers the questions. Like with straight answers. Like he said, we're going to announce by the end of the week whether we're going to expand or not. So translation, no, we're not going to expand. Old uh, uh, takes exposed. Feel free to clip that. But my, my guess is the answer is no on that. Uh, but he also said, well, we're not ripping up any current scheduling agreements. And also we're not doing anything with scheduling in terms of how many conference games there are until our next TV deal, which starts in 2025. So, or excuse me, 2024. And so I was like, wow, oh, that's that's a nice straight answer. At least he answered the question. Now it's an unsatisfying answer because I want to see USC Michigan now. Like, yeah. I want to see Michigan drop a Mac school and play USC. So let's do that now. Well, you know the uh, attention span of the average sports fan. Do you think we can wait till 2026 to see, or whatever year, even if that? We need yeah. something now. Well, the college football playoff thing is interesting, too. And here's, here's where there's a disconnect, I think, between the guys making the decisions and the average fan. So... Fans keep looking at this as the world versus the SEC. And so for the world to win, the SEC can't get the thing it wants. And what is viewed as the thing the SEC wants is the 12-team playoff that was proposed by 
that committee that that came up with a playoff. And the, and the subcommittee included Greg Sankey, mm-hmm. the commissioner of the SEC, Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, Craig Thompson, the commissioner of Mountain West, and Jack Swarbrick, the, the AD at Notre Dame. So the Pac-12 was not included in this. The Big 10 was not included in this. So naturally, they want their say. And this is actually the period where they would get their say. The proposal has been made, and all the leagues now get together, and they kick it around and, and try to decide, do we want to change this? Do we want to tweak this? So they're going to get their say. But here's the part where I think people don't understand. The average fan who is taking a side in this, whether it's the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC or the Pac-12, is going, well, the alliance is going to block the SEC from expanding that playoff. (laughs) Kevin Warren from the Big Ten said today he is a fan of expanding the playoff. Okay. So why? The Pac-12 needs automatic bids. The group of five leagues need automatic bids. The Big 12 needs automatic bids. The Big Ten would love six at-larges because the Big Ten can get three or four in some years. The ACC should love the idea of six at-larges. Now, is that also helpful to the SEC? Yes, it is. But you can't stop it because just because it will also help the SEC. Because the, the problem is, who's best equipped to handle it if they just stay at four? That's the SEC. It. Who's best equipped if they go to eight? The SEC. Who's best <laughs> equipped if they go to 12? The SEC. It's almost as if the SEC has built the best organization. Absolutely. Well, are you sure the Big 12 gets an automatic bid now? How would that work? No. I. Well, remember, no leagues are in the proposal. No leagues are guaranteed an automatic bid. I thought this was mm. one of the better solutions in that proposal where they just said the top six ranked conference champs are in. Oh, specify a difference between power five, group of five, any of that, which I think was smart because it was envisioning a world where maybe there wasn't a power five. Because remember, remember 11 or 12 years ago, there were BCS conferences and non-BCS conferences. And there were six of those, six BCS conferences. Well, then it became the power five. Well, now there's four that kind of fit that definition. There's really a power two, the SEC and the Big Ten, but but really you, you can put the Pac-12 and the and the ACC in the upper middle class. So so there's four, but there's no need to specify which mm. ones get the auto bid. Most years, those four will be the top four ranked conference right. champs. That's just how it'll work. And I mean, the Big Twelve will probably get it with like an Iowa State or something, right? I mean, the odds are. Oh yeah, yeah. Oklahoma State. I mean TCU. Uh, Kansas State could be really good under Chris Klein. I mean, that that's the thing. I I almost think the Big 12 should stay at eight as long as yeah. possible. Well, I'm old enough to remember when... If, if you have a chance to get I remember in. the old Big 8 and S. I, I, first of all, and they have to be all yeah. gigantic spread offenses that throw the ball a thousand times a game. I don't think... I don't know if they are now, but they need to go back to old They're school. They're not. That's why I, I think the conference is, what if you align them by style of play, which I guess they used to be, but, you know, Big 10 would be running... SEC would be running. Pac-12 would be a little more open. Not anymore. Now it's not I mean, like I, that. The thing is, the SEC, the SEC is more of a fling it around, yeah. up tempo conference than actually. The Big Twelve has gone the other yeah. way because Kansas, Kansas State has always moved a little at a little bit slower pace. What's interesting, Bill Snyder was so far ahead on the spread offense, but they never really juiced the tempo at mm. Kansas State. So they were always 
they were always a little bit slower moving, but they still did a lot of the same things. Uh, Iowa State has sort of dialed it back. So they can go up tempo, but they'll also punch you in the yep. mouth. Oklahoma goes fast and punches you in the mouth. Like Lincoln Riley figured out if you marry both those things, you're really good on offense. So it actually has changed a little bit where I would say the SEC is just as much like the old Big 12 as the current Big 12. Yeah, is. I mean, did that change when Alabama sort of opened it up? Was it Kiffin who came yeah. in or I can't remember? Well, what it was, so what, what happened was Hugh Freeze and Kevin right. Sumlin came into the SEC in 2012, drove Nick Saban insane, oh, okay. and he decided, yeah. if I can't, he, he's like, I hate defending this, so we should be running it with our superior yeah. athletes. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened. So, so but in, that, that's the thing. In I, summary, by the way, Andy, I'm still just as lost as to why I should care oh, about yeah. this. Why I should care about the okay. alliance. Should I? You sh- nope. Okay. Not in the least. <laughs> no, here's, here's the thing. There are a lot of rules changes, a lot of governance changes that are coming down the pipe. Basically, the, the NCAA, because of that Supreme Court ruling, because of all the, the state laws involving name, image, and likeness rules, they, they've got to change the way they govern themselves. And I think here's, here's what is going on. Really, if we wanted to boil it down, there are two factions looking at this and going... What is next? What happens next? Is there going to be just a football governing body? Where will the conferences govern everything individually? Will it be done by sport? And if it's done by sport, who's the football governing body? And what you have now are two competing entities Mm. to be that governing body. The SEC and the Alliance. And... Basically, what the Alliance people are saying is, we're going to do it this way. And, and they're saying that they want to defend the collegiate model, blah, 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 blah. I will translate that to English. They would like to keep as much money from the athletes <laughs> as possible. Yeah. I realize that sounds harsh, but that is what they want to do. They will dress it up in saying, we want more opportunities for players in other sports. So yes, you want more scholarships for country club sports instead of giving the money to the people who play the sports that actually make the money. So we, we get that. The SEC probably wants the same thing, Andrew. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to yeah. you. Right? They probably want the same thing. But it is a competitive situation. And if they're going to be competitive, maybe they make a rule that makes it a little bit easier, that makes the best players maybe want to play there. Well, what do you think of the political wins that are – that use the NCAA as a punching bag, but – I was, you know, as we were talking about, I recently was looking at the Republicans hate the NCAA. The Democrats hate the NCAA. Uh-huh. The Supreme Court Correct. really hates the NCAA. Nine to nothing. Nine to nothing. Although it was really Brett Kavanaugh. It was like the, the knockout punch. I think the other judges well, he, were. He, he wanted everybody to quote him. Yeah. I think the, the, the other ones were more subdued. But if you read between the lines of the, the actual majority opinion, it said the same things Kavanaugh did in less strong language. Right. But I, when you read the questions, there were some actually most of them were liberal judges saying, are we ruining the sport by make by ruining this antitrust? Rule? You know, Sotomayor, actually, I was, you know, Michael McCann, he was telling me Sotomayor is like a fourth mm-hmm. major sports case. And she has defended the NCAA in the past. So it's, it's really complicated. The point is, like, it's an easy score for a politician to say, pay these players. In, in these divided times the NCAA has managed to unite. Yeah. It, it is 
one of the greatest tricks I've ever seen in, the world, in my life. It's, it's unbelievable. So it, it's crazy. But yeah, that, that's, but that is the crux of this, is all this stuff's changing and everybody's trying to get in their, in yeah. their little groups and decide how much they want to change or not change. I will warn people who want to keep it similar to the way it's been. When you lose 9 nothing in the Supreme Court, and a bunch of states make laws to make your rules illegal, yep. which is what happened. You probably shouldn't be trying to defend what used to be. You probably should be trying to come up with something different. And I don't know, like, I don't know if the SEC is trying to come up with anything different either. I think all of them, if you gave them their druthers, you know, Greg Sank at the SEC, Kevin Warren, George Klyavkov, uh, Jim Phillips. They'd say, we want to go back to the way it was. Yeah. If we could go back, we would. But they can't. And so the future will be won by whoever is willing to use their imagination. And I'm not sure the alliance, based on what we heard today, is particularly willing to use its imagination. One thing that worries me and is greed, the perception of greed. Like if the SEC gets too big, they become a target from politicians like, like um, and I know on the other side, isn't Jim Delaney involved in the Alliance? Like he still gets criticized a lot for his buyout after just arguing the players yeah. shouldn't get paid. So not a dime back. Yeah. So it's, if that money gets bigger, that's what the politicians are seeing. It plays well to their crowd saying, wait, this coach is getting $25 million a buyout or whatever, you know, a big buyout. So is the SEC ever worried about like, we don't want to be perceived as too greedy. Like we want to share the pie or are they just more aggressive? They would just like to build the best mousetrap, I think is the way to, to put it. Hmm. They want to have the, the best organization they can from a competitive standpoint. Got it. Now competing means winning in football and winning in football means you make a bunch of money. So I mean, you want to call that greed, you can, because they are trying to make the most money too. So I, I, I do think they will, I wouldn't necessarily worry about being a target of a politician. I'd be more worried about being a target of a federal lawsuit, which I think mm. Greg Sankey is, is acutely aware of. Yeah. Like, he's, he's been sitting there and he's talked about this a few times over the last few years where they're trying to figure out how to keep people from suing them, how to, yeah. how to have a system where they can make their money and the players can make some money and nobody sues them. <laughs> and that's the tricky part. But they're going to, you know, anybody can draft a lawsuit. So the odds of them not being sued, you know, they might be able to flick off the lawsuit, well, but they're going to well, be co sued. Collectively, collectively bargaining helps you with that. If you bargain with, with the players and you, it, they don't mm. have to unionize. I know everybody says, oh, well, they can't form a union because you're dealing with a bunch of state universities and different state labor laws and all that. They don't have to form an official union, a recognized union. You can still bargain with a group of people. Now, that probably isn't going to make a rock-solid rock defense for you in court, but it's certainly going to help you. But it's interestingly enough, you know who the new commissioner of the ACC is, right? No. Jim Phillips, who was the Northwestern athletic director, who fought oh, tooth yeah. and nail to keep the Northwestern <laughs> players from unionizing. So yeah. that's the thing. I, I don't have faith in those guys to have much of an imagination. They mm. seem to want to go back to the old way. They need to understand there is no going back. So you need to start thinking 
forward. Stop thinking backward. So maybe this will, maybe some new ideas will come of this because Kevin Warren came from the NFL. He's relatively new to college sports. Uh, George Klyavkov came, you know, from a bunch of different worlds. He's new to college sports. New ideas aren't a bad thing. Mm. That would help with that group. I think, you know, and, and the thing is, it's not a bad thing either to have a couple different competing units as they try to figure this stuff out. You don't want this monolith just saying, because that's kind of what got you there in the first place. Yeah. The antitrust so, issue. Yeah. Well, exactly. I think, okay, I think I understand now. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nothing's going to happen. And then the first time there's an issue where the three leagues don't agree, I don't care how much twinkling there was when they looked each other in the eye, they're going to they're going to break up. And that's, that's basically what's going to happen. I think you answered this on Monday, but what happens to the rest of the big 12? That's a good question. Uh, right now they got to figure out, do, do they want to take on more? Is there a chance they can go somewhere else? We're probably going to get an answer from the PAC 12 at the end of this week, whether anybody can go anywhere else. Okay. If that answer is no, then they have to decide what they want to do next. Do they stay at eight? Do they try to take on like a couple schools from the American or four schools from the American? Uh, do they try to take BYU? You know, I, mm. BYU is one of the, the few out there on the board that compared to the schools in the Big 12 probably does bring a value that would put it in the top half of the league. And that's, that's kind of the key here when you're talking about adding stuff. Like, does it put you in the top half of the league? I think that's yeah. the... That's that's the question, because before you could, you know, the Big Ten took Rutgers in Maryland because it was trying Oof. to increase its cable footprint. But now cable footprint doesn't matter because of cord cutting. Now it's how big a games can you make, like games that people will watch. And so you got to have big brands. And the, and the, the issue is like you kind of need a Texas, Oklahoma level type brand to justify bringing anybody in. Yeah. I saw your four million uh, article. Oh, you yeah. need four million, but uh, by the way, you need Maryland and you need uh, Rutgers in the Big Ten because otherwise, who are you going to put on at noon on Saturdays, Andy? They, they fill that noon slot. Oh no, no big big noon Saturday. That's Fox's best time slot these days. It, that's where yeah. they put the good Big Ten games. Yeah, but now. then on ESPN, you got I mean, like oh, oh. India, except for Indiana being good now, but it used to be in all the basketball schools, Indiana, Kentucky I, on a noon. It used to it used to drive me crazy that you know college game day, everybody's going nuts. Lee Corso <laughs> puts on the head. Ah, we now take you to Champaign, Illinois, where Northwestern Illinois are kicking off, and then you hear the foot hit the ball, and you can hear like individual people talking in the stands. <laughs> By the way, Illinois plays this weekend, don't they? they? Isn't there some... Oh, I'm super excited about that game. We've been talking about it? that game on this podcast a lot. They play Nebraska. Oh, my God. Nebraska's in the 12 o'clock club. How did that happen to the once mighty Cornhuskers? Well, no, this is week zero, so everybody okay. in the world is going to be watching that game. But that game is going to be fascinating because Brett Bielema's returned to college football as a head okay. coach. I mean, Scott Frost is being investigated by the NCAA. You, there's subplots of plenty. Uh, I don't care what you say. That, that when it was set, you would have looked at it like, I don't want to watch that. I got to tell you, this goes back to my youth. Illinois football has never done it for me. I've never been excited about an Illinois football game. I don't care when Jeff George was there. It's just like Juice there's some Williams programs. and Rashard Mendenhall and yeah. Zucker taking him to the Rose Bowl. Come on. It's just one of those programs that, you know, Maryland, I'm sorry they're in there. Rutgers, I know they had their year with uh, Luciano, but 
Cristiano still didn't win the league that year, by the way, in the Big East. They didn't? Oh, my God. That was so exciting. You know, and I'm from Philadelphia. So all we had, I grew up and you got to see the Penn State game on Sunday morning with uh, Joe Paterno's brother would do a best of. We had no college football. So it's so different yeah. up here. You know what I mean? There's no, the Big Ten, they expand here. There's no way they, it was going to catch fire. It's just, like you said, it's not relevant what they were thinking at that time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So how did you fall in love with it? Because yeah. when I met you, you were already a huge college football fan. Now we we used to we used to have fun because I, I remember you tweeted one time uh, when uh, when Ryan Tannehill was in his last year at Texas A and M. He's I introduced you to Ryan Tannehill last year, and I got all over you because I'm like, you know, he plays in a hundred thousand seat stadium <laughs> in front of millions of people every week. Okay, but but you yeah. were always a big college football fan. I've always been a big college football fan, but. I and I've been dying to talk about your Nick Starkle story, but it ties back to Nick Starkle. We will. You can always connect the dots to Nick Starkle. I've always been a fan, but you know, the first time that I really got into it from a work standpoint was I did a feature on Kevin Cobb, who you know I'm friends Mm -hmm. with, the former Eagles quarterback. So I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So it was the beginning of the season, and they're like, all right, who's going to do the feature on the upcoming quarterbacks? I'm like, I'll do Kevin Cobb. So I flew down to uh, Texas, and he drove me through Stephenville, Texas. And I got to understand what was going on. And that really kicked my love of sort of the grassroots of college football because I knew college football. I knew Florida State. I knew Nebraska. I knew Oklahoma. I knew the big programs. I knew Alabama. But I didn't know really the impact around the country. And then uh, I got to do through Sports Illustrated, I did the Heisman Tour where I got to go to eight stadiums a year for a tailgate tour slash boondoggle, as you know, and eat a lot of good food. So I really, I could like, never get on that boondoggle killed. Me. I am so sorry about that, <laughs> but I would remember one that time. I think I brought you some brisket in the press box a couple of times. I, uh, oh, you have. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would sneak in if I was covering the same game. Y'all right. I, yeah. I, I do remember one time I asked the, the, the ladies that were in the front of the tent uh, had these SI uh, tank tops. Yeah. And I was like, how do I get one of those for my wife? And they're like, well, you have to work for SI. I'm like, I don't know. I never got it. I never got a football phone. I worked there 11 years. I think you can go on eBay. But yeah, so I've always been a big, big, like, you know, casual Northeastern fan. But then I got to see what it means around the country. And it's so different. You mean, you have no idea, dude. Like, Like, you don't know what it's like to not know what college football means in the South and the Midwest. And then to find out through work how important it is. So for us, I grew up, it was Philadelphia Eagles 24 seven. You go on the radio in Philadelphia. And I don't know, do they even have you in Philadelphia radio? 
I know you do radio in every city, but I don't, just, I don't do a lot of Philly radio. I, I yeah. don't get a lot of call because it's not yeah. it's not the kind of market where they're talking college football. Because I like I used to work with Chris Carlin on Sirius XM. Yeah. And Chris did a daily show in Philly for a while, but I never heard from him until actually until he got back to New York. And then he'd call me every once in a while from New York. The only stories they want are Philadelphia Eagles. They don't even care about the Sixers. It's, uh, you know, certain towns like New York, I think, is a baseball town. They're about the Yankees and a little bit of football. They don't care about college football, really. I don't know what, you know, they do care about national sports. But so it's just regional. But now and also, you know, I'm a huge draft pick. So I I do admit sometimes I am more focused on NFL prospects than than what's happening that year. Like I want to know I want to be try to be ahead. But I, I think that's a great way to watch it. I think that's a yeah. fun way to watch the sport too. I, I enjoy watching it for the the next level. And and what's interesting, I, I don't know if you because you've been an NFL guy the whole way. I did not enjoy watching the NFL until about probably three or four years ago. Really, once they started opening up the offenses in the NFL, yeah. they started stealing a lot of concepts from college football. Absolutely, that's when I started enjoying. Now I love watching the NFL. I, I, you know, I get red zone. I watch, you know, constantly. We were talking before we started recording. Yeah. You know, last Saturday, I sat there and watched twelve hours of NFL preseason football. Yeah. And it was paradise. You know, it's so funny. It made me so happy to see you tweet that that you sat there because I'm like, yes. But because we've done draft shows before, the funny thing is, you know, so much more about these players than the NFL writers who drop in in March and pretend to study these guys. Because so I was wondering, as a college football writer, don't you like the NFL? These guys you did features on in college or then in the pros. So don't you sort of. Oh, yeah. You like to follow oh, awesome. them. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, three or four. Well, think and, about and, and, that's why I like that's why I like preseason games, because yeah. a lot of times <laughs> it's the last chance you get to see somebody play. Yeah, that's why three or four years ago, you probably started to know all the names in the NFL because you had covered them at some point in college football. Oh, no, no. I mean, by, yeah. by 2015, I had I had known about every NFL player when they were in high school, essentially. Yeah. When they were so, recruits. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it it's it, it goes way back. And now it, it is interesting because you basically see their whole life <laughs> unfold. Yeah. So th- that's got to add to your enjoyment, too. And I like, you know, I'm way more casual, but I like following recruiting too. And I like to see, I love like the, the, the sure things. Are they going to translate into the next level? Which yeah. again gets back to Nick Starkle, Nick Starkle. And uh, what was the kid who was he at was- Texas? Kyle Allen. That's a great example. Like didn't work out in college that he's, guess what? He's pretty good in the pros. I don't know. It's well, bizarre. It, so you, okay. Well, we can talk about this Nick Starkle story. Yeah. Cause it was, it was a lot of fun to write. If you haven't read it yet, uh, it came out on the athletic last week. Just Google Andy Staples, Nick Starkle. Uh, it's a long story, but there's a, it's a lot. Justin Bieber makes several appearances. <laughs> uh, you have a beef with Tate Martell, the, the yeah. former number one quarterback recruit who's been at Ohio state. He's been at Miami. Now he's at UNLV. Uh, they're, Three different schools, two fired coaches. I mean, he's he's lived a lot of college football. Nick Starkle has, but but he was one of those as a as a recruit, kind of sure thing guys, rocket arm. Mm. And but he he came into a really interesting situation at Texas A and M. So you remember in December of 2015, they had that week where Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray left the program in the same week. Yeah. Yep. So basically. Jake Spavadol was the offensive coordinator. He's sitting there waiting to get fired. He knows he's going to get fired, but Kevin Sumlin hasn't fired him yet. And so he's just sitting there like, okay, when are you going to fire me? So they fi- they fire Spavadol. They hire Noel Mazzoni. Nick Starkle 
is on a visit to UCLA where Noel Mazzoni is the offensive coordinator. And so Nick Starkle's dad, they're, they're from Texas. Nick Starkle's dad was in the Army Corps of Engineers for years and years, and now he's in private business. Nick Starkle's dad has a friend who has loaned Kevin Sumlin his jet to go pick up Noel Mazzoni from California <laughs> and bring him to College Station. So they get, you know, they're at UCLA and find out that Noel Mazzoni is in College Station. Mm. And so phone calls are made. But Mazzoni tells me he's in his hotel room in College Station. They're about to go have dinner. And Jim Mora calls, the head coach at UCLA, and goes, hey, uh, this this kid from Dallas and his family, Nick Starkle, he's on campus. Uh, do we want him? Is he is he any good? Are we going <laughs> to offer him? And Mazzoni goes, nah, don't want him. <laughs> Click. And, and Mazzoni offered him at Texas A&M like the next Monday. That's the story of UCLA football. But, you know, okay. So I think, have I ever, I told you about my SI story on Texas quarterbacks. So to follow up after oh, I, I went down. I remember that. I, yeah. yeah. So it was based on, I fell in love with Stephenville. So I went down for the seven on seven tournament in 2014. Now here's mm-hmm. trivia. If you can guess, there was two NFL quarterbacks at the seven on seven final in Texas in 2014 and one possible future NFL quarterback. If you could guess all three, I, I'd be very impressed. Well, um, in 14. Kyle and by the Murray. way, nope, he didn't show up for some reason. He was too big already. Okay. All right. And Mahomes. He could have been. No, he was college. in high school. You, yeah. Yeah. Mahomes was already in college at this point, nope. right? Mahomes was there. No, he was. Mahomes he was, was there. there. Okay. Um, let's see. Another NFL quarterback. Kyle Allen would have been in high school still. He, he was in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, that's he right. Was, he was in Arizona. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Um, would have been Shane Bouchelle. Good cast. He might have been there, but Jared Stidham. Oh, Stidham. What? That's right. Oh, he's I, from Stephenville. He was a so, huge recruit that year. Yeah. So the funny thing was I wrote 3000 words for SI. They had to cut 800 words. Guess who the 800 words they cut out were? Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. And of course. I got a call last year from Mark Moravik. He's like, we have all these pictures of Patrick Mahomes from when he was uh, 16 years old. Do you know where these came from? I'm like, yes, I was going to become the first person to ever write about Patrick Mahomes. And you cut it from my story for Jared Stidham, which is good. But then there's one more big time player who was there who I found out this year was there. And there's no way you would guess him, but he's still in college football. And there's only two really old good quarterbacks in college football. So that that's a clue. Well, Nick, Nick Starkle's one of them. He might've been there, but I don't know. He, yeah. I mean, he probably was in, in 2014 Ooh, from in Texas. He was very young. So he he's, but he's an old quarterback in college football now. Yes. What conference does he play in? ACC. ACC. You're going to kick yourself. I am going to kick myself. He's played in other conferences before. Okay. He's short. Okay. He tore his ACL in the bowl game last year. Oh, dear King. Oh, yeah. So, oh, Charlie. Wait. So, Kyle, wait. Kyle Trask was probably there too. He was Derek King's backup. Oh, my God, Kyle. But in they, high school. So, no, he wasn't. I, he wasn't on this team. Okay. Charlie Ward brought out a neighborhood team. This is how crazy it is. Charlie Ward oh. happened to be living in Houston. Charlie, and, that's right. Charlie was in Houston then. Oh, and he, wow. And we asked, we asked Charlie Ward, you got any good kids? He's like, yeah, I got this 
freshman who is small, but he's amazing. And I didn't remember who that kid was. And then I showed Derek King the, uh, the story is like, yeah, I was there with, I was there at that one. It was in Round Rock. It was a little bit off uh, the other thing. So Derek King was there, old quarterback. Wow. And how I mean, Derek King and Nick Sharkle, the two elder statesmen of college football right now. That is amazing. And, and yeah, Derek, uh, quite a journey for him because he, yeah. he was committed to TCU and basically figured out that TCU didn't want him as a quarterback. So he goes to Houston where they do want him as a quarterback, but then he ends up playing receiver for the first year. <laughs> and yeah, so, wow, that is, that is incredible. And yeah, it, it was, was a very, the circle I, thing was, the, the circle thing was amazing to me. Like we figure out how old somebody is. He, he tells me, you know, when they, when the family got to Dallas and, and he gets into high school, he's, he's at South Lake Carroll, which is a big, you know, powerhouse high school. It's where yeah. Greg McElroy went to school. And um, where Quinn Ewers should so, be right now, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Kenny Kenny Hill was the quarterback at, at South, South Lake, Lake Carroll. When Starkle got there? Yeah. yeah. Kenny Hill oh, is now TCU's quarterback's coach. Oh, no way. <laughs> I seem to remember you were all in on him, right? Did you tweet about that recently? Trill Hill. I, I might I might have given Kenny Trill the uh, the one week Trill, Heisman yeah. award in 2014. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I might be guilty of that, but yes. no, I it, I actually wound up doing a story on him before his last year at TCU and spent some time with Kenny and his, you know like like Patrick Mahomes, his dad was a major league baseball player. Okay, uh, Ken Ken Hill played for the Cardinals forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I spent time with with. Kenny and his parents. And it was really interesting because he was very open and honest about Texas A&M. And because remember, he followed Johnny at Texas A&M. Yeah. Like there's a book to be written, just, you know, the lineage of Texas. Like you just do like the, the chain links of Texas quarterbacks, how they all interconnect. Right. Well, that was my point on Nick Starkle. So the connections are ridiculous. To talk about Stephenville, Chad Morris, who Starkle then followed to Arkansas, right? He coached at Stephenville. We didn't follow him, but yeah, he, yeah, exactly. Right. So he coached at Stephenville where our Bryles became famous. Right. Who was where Stidham played, where Kevin Cobb played yep. and where Jevin Sneed, who is maybe the all time great Texas mystery legend. Like people talked about him in that part of Texas, like as good as everybody was. Kyler Murray and Jevin Sneed are the two greatest Texas quarterbacks. That's what they say. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, I mean that's, but, uh, that's one of the sadder stories because because yeah. Jevin passed away a couple of years ago. Jevin yeah. was committed to Florida, uh, right? And and was I believe he was the one who decommitted because they said, "Oh, we're taking this Tebow kid as a linebacker." So, oh, and then he went to Ole Miss from Florida, and then where did he end up? What was no, his last? No, 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 no. He signed with Texas. Right. He, he okay. was at Texas, transferred to Ole Miss, and finished his college career at Ole Miss. So I, I actually did a story. One of my first stories when I was at SI was on a former Stephenville quarterback named Kellen Luker. And no, are you kidding me? You did a Stephenville yeah. story? I know that I name. did. So Ke Kellen Luker was one of the original Art Bryles Stephenville quarterbacks. Yeah. So he signed with SMU. He played at SMU. He got some horrific concussions and stopped playing joined a rock band. This rock band was called Submersed, and basically the members of Creed had sort of adopted these guys. And so they were uh, very similar sonically to Creed yeah. and to Alter Bridge and those. So if things had broken differently, maybe they were Alter Bridge and wound up 
you know, wow. touring with Creed and all that. But they didn't. They, they like hung out at all their houses and, and played on their jet skis, but they never broke big. And so my first year at SI, Kellen had, after eight years in the band, quit and decided to start playing football again. And oh, wow. so in Division Two, your eligibility clock pauses. So he actually could play again at Tarleton State in Stephenville. Tarleton State, where Case Keenum's dad actually coached. By the way, I just want to throw Correct. that out there. That is Tarleton insane. State, which, which is where, which is where Nick Starkle thought he was going to have to go oh. after Arkansas because he did not realize that he could go to another Division yeah. One school. But so when we make this movie, and let's let's uh, I don't know, let's let's sign an agent tomorrow for this. Who's playing Cliff Kingsbury? Because he somehow is interwoven through all this. Well. Ryan Gosling, of course. Okay, so we got him. So we signed Gosling up because Kingsbury, by the way, Stidham committed to Kingsbury, and there's a whole 15 oh, minutes that of movie. Was a whole, that was a how whole he thing. Yeah. That was a whole yeah. thing. And Kingsbury, you know, when he was with Art Bryles in Houston, they must have touched all these lives. And you have Sumlin. I mean, I mean, I know you probably have 10 books. Dana Holgerson, Jake oh, Holgerson who I mentioned, who's the, tech, who's the Texas State coach oh, now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there, there, is, there is so many connections here, and it is, it is truly amazing. It's just – it's. And then, by the way, there I mean, is a book in there. By yeah. the way, Nick Starkle wants to write a book. So maybe when he's done with his, his book about his career, he can move on to this book. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I, so I met Nick Sharkle this year. I was at the quarterback retreat, um, Steve Clarkson's quarterback retreat uh, mm-hmm. that you mentioned in the story. Oh, you were there and when he and Tate Martell buried the yeah, hatchet. So this guy taps you on the shoulder. He goes, hi, I'm Nick. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Andrew. I did not know it was Nick Starkle. He's the friendliest beacon of light guy you will ever meet. He could be a coach. He could be in the media. He could be anything. I know you were saying, you know, you were very serious that story, but he's a light, funny guy too. Don't you think he could be in the media tomorrow? 
Oh, hundred percent. He's an yeah. he's a great talker. Yeah. Uh, very funny, quick witted. No, he's he's awesome. I I would I would be thrilled to do a radio show or a podcast with yeah. him. Yeah. And, and I think it's you know like I said, his dad was in the Army Corps of Engineers. They bounced around a ton when he was a yeah. kid, and so he had to be able to pick up and make friends on the fly. And he he has that personality where when you mm. talk to him, it feels like you've known him for twenty years. Because he's just yep. that good at talking to people. What was the reaction when you pitched him at the athletic? Were people like who, or were they excited? Or no, no. The good thing is we are we are very psychotic about college football. Like we love. Mm-hmm. We got a bunch of people who watch college football Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every week when it's on, and so. Everybody was like, oh, no, yeah, we definitely need a, the, the last chapter of the Nick Starkle story. Oh, okay. And, so they knew the whole backstory and everything. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and we had covered, you know, there, we, we ran a big feature on him right when he left Arkansas. I think the idea was to run it while he was playing at Arkansas, and then uh, he was leaving all of a sudden. So, <laughs> But, you know, the, we covered him at, at Texas A&M. So, it, yeah, it's just he has touched – it was interesting how many things he predated, like – he predated the early signing period. Like he signed in February. Quarterbacks now sign in December. But there was no early signing period. Oh, right, right, right. He also, <laughs> he also predated the four-game redshirt rule. The, the part that I could no. not get into the story because it just didn't fit. So there was a game against Mississippi State late in his freshman year at, at A&M when he was redshirting. And uh, Trevor Knight got hurt. And mm-hmm. so they go to Jake Hubenack, the walk-on, to, to finish the game. If Jake had gotten injured, Nick had to go in. Nick had already agreed to burn his red shirt if, if they had a need. If he'd gone into that game, none of this would have happened. Like, he doesn't go to San Jose State. The, his career ends at Arkansas, and that's it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Can I turn the, turn the tide and ask you a couple questions about the guys I saw at the QB retreat real quick? I want oh, your impression. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, everybody was there this year. Steve Clarkson, every Memorial Day has a QB I, retreat. I, I talked to Steve for the, yeah, for I the saw he was on story. The, yep. So Starkle is the captain of the thing. Uh, guess who of all the quarterbacks to me, it was like, this guy is the leader of the room. I'm like, just like eyeballing it. This guy stands out. And there's a few guys who are, who are big time leaders. But there's one guy, and it's partly because he's so physically imposing, but there's one guy you can't keep your eyes off of. Physically imposed. I was going to say Sam Howell, but he's he's not a huge guy, so that's right. that, that takes him out of the out of the mix here. Yeah, think big. Big. Okay, who's the I, biggest? And it's not. Oh, it's DJ not like a, Yeah, to me, he was like it. Just like he he had such a presence about him that I felt like it felt like everybody, even these other star quarterbacks, were gravitating around him. Um, he was fairly impressive. Derek King is an incredibly impressive person. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young could be the CEO of a company tomorrow. He's impressive. And the other guy, and the other, the one physically guy who showed up, Malik Willis. Oh, oh when he yeah. was, yeah, when he was like throwing the ball, oh, it was like everybody moved back from the sidelines 10 feet. They're like, oh, Malik's about to throw the ball because so, it's going to go right through a kid's hands and hit somebody. So those were the guys. We podcast last season where yeah. we, you know, we have Malik's whole story with yeah. – stuff from Malik and his dad and, and, and Hugh freeze. And, uh, it is, if you, if you guys haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. I will. You're going to, you're going to hear Malik Willis's name a ton, especially in the run up to the, to the 2022 draft. But overall it struck me as like an incredibly like mature, 
awesome bunch of QBs. And there are a lot of potential draft guys too. Like every year we say, oh, this, oh, there's never going to be good quarterbacks next year. You need a Trevor Lawrence this year. So, but I was like, well, you know, I know they're not huge, but like guys like Matt Corral and, um, mm-hmm. you know, Keaton, I don't know about Keaton Slovis. He seems to have a lot, <laughs> a lot going on there in USC. I don't know if they're good, he, he, but there's a Keaton's lot of interesting one big time guys. He, he has said his mechanics got wonky last year. Mm. And he's he's been trying to fix them. That his footwork was off, and so if he gets his footwork back and his mechanics are sound, then then Keaton may be a big draft prospect. Yeah. But he may want to stay in college another year if he doesn't yeah. feel like that's that's fixed to his satisfaction. But there the, the two- guy, I I don't know yeah. if he was there, but the guy I think, and we Ari and I talked about him on the podcast uh, earlier in the week. Filiar Kovic at Boston College. I think yeah, one well, that, yeah, that he was not there. Gonna, he was not there. People but I remember talk about it in NFL circles a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, one guy who also wasn't there was the Nevada player, Carson, Carson Strong, Strong. Yeah, was not there. Yep. But by the way, there were a few USC guys there, I noticed. And I know one of them had some buzz around him. Uh, was it, is it Jackson Dart? I believe. Is he at USC? Yeah, uh, yeah Jackson was, Dart's at USC now. He was a Gatorade player. The, the other end, Quinn Ewers was there. And <laughs> you're like, is, why is, is Joe Dart slinging around the field? Is it looks on TV? <laughs> It is, and his arm is crazy, and it's like, wait, that what is going on with that kid? But C.J. Stroud was there, too, and he seems like a really promising quarterback. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it just struck me. It's like these guys are more ready than ever for the big time. Like, they're just like yes. – it feels like they are know how to be next to a microphone. They know how to, like – it just struck me. I, I don't know if you've gotten that impression lately from college oh, quarterbacks. Oh, definitely, it- it's not just quarterbacks. I think it's college players in general or, or high school okay. players in general. Big time recruits, they have to do so many interviews. They get hit up on social media by, by fans mm. and reporters and everybody else. And so they kind of learn to live in the spotlight earlier than, than you would think. And I do think they have improved on that. It used to be, you know, you'd wait, uh, a guy would have to be in the NFL for a little while before he sounded like uh, a future CEO. Now they, they, a lot of the guys coming out of high school sound like that. And yeah. With, with the quarterbacks, I think in terms of, of getting on the field and playing, it's been a case of offenses have been simplified so that you can come in and, and play right away. And they've also had, they have so many reps throwing in seven on seven and, 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 and mm-hmm. even in high school. I mean, you think about like Brett Favre, he really ran the option of the wing tee in high school. He probably <laughs> threw like four times a game. And, you know, he just, he didn't have the reps. So he had to learn all that stuff at Southern Miss. Like now you've repped that out since you were in seventh grade. You've been throwing yeah. and throwing and throwing yeah. and you've had, you know, receivers running routes on DBs the whole time. So I, I do think everybody is more ready to play now yeah. than they were before. Middle schoolers are assigned the same offense that they're going to play in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was and unthinkable. Andrew, this, is also, this is also why every receiver class in the NFL now is the best receiver class ever. Yeah. That's, I know this was my thing. This was my yeah. thing with the Jamar Chase versus Penny Sewell argument during the draft last year. Penny oh. Sewell isn't coming along in the next five years. Another player, another receiver as good as Jamar Chase will be along next year because receivers are just better than they've ever been. And there's been this weird thing where the best ones have now been second rounders. I mean, Metcalf, I, well, at least lower 20. I saw, a, I did a stat, two of the top only two of the top 14 receivers last year were first round picks. They're all, or at least top 20 picks, Justin Jefferson, Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf. Uh, you go down the list, Chase Claypool. They're all, there's so many studs out there. And by the way, 
Yeah. Uh, two more guys are QB retreat, Andy. Chris Olave and John Mechie. They didn't do anything. Those are <laughs> two cool dudes. Like, they yeah. had swag. Yeah, they, they definitely – I mean, those guys are, are big-time players, but they're also veterans on teams where they've played behind – some amazing talent. So they've, oh, yeah. they've learned from the best and now they are the best. And that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah. It's, I mean, think about Alabama has put a pro ball team into the NFL. I don't understand how they put in seven first round picks a year and they're still number one. It's unbelievable. Well, it, it is a, it's pretty amazing. The receiver piece of that, because yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say they went, I, I think they went between 1969 and 2011 without a first round receiver. Julio Jones was Is that the Julio? first, first okay. round receiver in a while. And and then they just went on this run. Yeah. You know, it started with Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, and it just it just Henry Ruggs now it just it's sort of snowballing. That's gotta be a record though that they went Ruggs, Judy, uh Waddle, Smith that high. I mean no but no program's ever done that, have they? I, I don't know, but it's maybe it's, University it's, of it's Miami pretty... in the twenty in the early two thousand. Oh you know who had a bunch of receivers? Clemson when they went with Hopkins and Watkins and Martavis. Yeah, Bryant. they had a great. They but had still, a great, that wasn't that much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, they did because they had Mike Williams. It was Clemson's run through the the. What do they call that? The teens. Yeah. <laughs> the that was that was really good. The Taj Boyd era. Yeah, yeah, and LSU yeah. had that run with uh, Landry Beckham, a bunch of like sort of lesser guys who made the pros. Well, oh, and, and interestingly yeah. enough, LSU didn't have the quarterbacks or, or the offense to really showcase them. And they still had Landry and Beckham and like DJ Shark. If you watch him, what he did at LSU, considering <laughs> how he kind of stone age their offense was at the time. Yeah, like, it was pretty amazing. That's another guy. Like, where does a guy like that come from? You're right. Why would you take a wide receiver top five? You got to take a quarterback. <laughs> or the or the offensive tackle, the one you know, well, yeah, except, you know, five years offensive tackle. The press has been negative on Sewell. I don't know if you've seen a lot of that, Andy. Like uh, he's already being preliminary labeled a potential bust. I don't know what that means, but there's a lot of people worried that that Sewell's not going to hit in Detroit, and part of it is because it's Detroit. <laughs> I, I think he's going to be all right. I, I I have faith. When Mario Cristobal tells you this guy's the best offensive lineman he's ever yeah. coached, I. That guy has a, a good eye for talent along the O line, and you know, I just I remember going to Oregon when when Penne was a freshman, and they showed him to me at practice. They like point him out at practice. I was like, "Oh <laughs> my god!" <laughs> yeah, what are those that guys? guys a freshman? No <laughs> he's eyeball, and he can move. All right, well, I, but as I was telling you before the show, there's that's one of the picks that should have taken Justin Fields. I'm just saying. Oh, it's yeah. Justin Fields is going to be very good. I. Just the ease with which he gets out of trouble. And he was yeah. playing behind a line that, that he's lucky they didn't get him killed on, oh, on Saturday. I, I was screaming at my TV because, okay, I, first of all, Jim Miller, who, who does the, the games with Adam Amin for the Bears, yeah, you don't have to, like, you don't get paid by the word that praises Andy Dalton. Like, <laughs> We know they messed up and didn't want to be in this situation, but now they're in it. You, you don't have to keep selling Andy Dalton to us. We know Justin Fields is better. Nothing you say is going to change that. 
But what, it just felt like a crime that, that Justin Fields is sitting there playing behind the second-team offensive line, which can't block anybody, and he's just getting annihilated play after play. And, and it's interesting because a lesser, a lesser athlete would have probably just been destroyed. He was getting away and getting out and, and gaining yards. They were I, – I just – I couldn't believe – I'm glad that he's going to get to play behind – I don't know if it's going to be the first-team offensive line because I don't know how many starters from the offensive line are going to play – in the next game, but yeah. he probably gets to play behind a little more experienced line in that last preseason game. So you should get a little, little better look at him, I'm but yeah, no, I, I think, I think he got drafted too low. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually an Andy Dalton fan. So I'm hoping Andy does well too, but you're right. I feel did draft. I, I don't get it because he, he made it to the title game. Like what did he not do? It's just weird. Remember Deshaun Watson fell too. I know that's a name you're not supposed to talk about now, but yeah, he well, led I mean, that, it. I mean, one, what the Bears, he wanted. The Bears screwed up yeah. Yeah. trading up for Trubisky. I mean, that should have been the easiest. Like, forget the Mahomes thing because it's easy to say now you thought Mahomes was. I, I don't believe you because I was. I remember that year, all of us who followed college football were like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is an amazing athlete, great quarterback, huge arm, but no air raid quarterback has ever succeeded in the NFL. So we don't yeah. know if he's any good. And. So, like, that one didn't bother me. But the Watson thing, Watson and, and Trubisky played in the same league. And yeah. Watson dominated it. And Trubisky yeah. couldn't beat out Marquise Williams. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they, that's not true. Is that true? The, the guy turned true. out to be a, a receiver. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, Deshaun, I don't get it at all. It's almost like if you see a player too much, you've seen him for so long. You're like, ah, we've seen all this. It's like you want to draft a European basketball player over the American one. We were mystified. Dan still, every once a week, Dan will be like, I can't believe they let Mahomes fall to 10 or something. But, uh, or not, or, or Watson, but I know, hindsight. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the Trubisky thing was easy to spot. And yeah. now it was very enjoyable watching him go into Chicago and have a, a the, the only guy who's had a better day in Chicago than, than Trubisky on Saturday was Ferris Bueller. Uh, he, he just, it was, it was unbelievable. Like the, the bears are just gift wrapped. Like here, let's, we're going to fumble in our, our own territory. So you can have the ball and, and have a very easy touchdown drive here. I, I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was like, they were trying to make him feel better after, you know, ruining his life by drafting him in the wrong place. Cause that wasn't Mitch's fault that he got picked there. Somebody picked him. So you right that game. That game earned him an eight million dollar bridge quarterback contract next year. He somebody's going to sign him. I think he's on a one year deal. I'll bet you that got him back into the league. Everybody gets a second chance, Andy. You know that. Oh, especially if you got an arm, and, and Mitch has a great arm, and he's a very good athlete. So if if you got it, like, we can always tie it back to Nick Starkle. Nick Starkle has a rocket arm. That's why Nick Starkle keeps getting. Keeps getting chances, and he finally cashed in this one, and he's yeah. going to he's going to have an NFL career. By the way, Justin Fields appeared in your story. Another name. How that's a, that's the incredible thing. That's what's that's crazy. Right. Ohio that's, State, uh, Ohio State. Mike Yursich, who Nick Starkle had been committed to Mike Yursich at Oklahoma State before he flipped to Texas A and M, and. <laughs> Yursich is at Ohio State. He's trying to get Nick Starkle as insurance in case Justin Fields doesn't get yeah. the waiver yeah. so he can play immediately. Can you imagine Nick Starkle would have been on that Ohio State team? Oh, unbelievable. 
Yeah. Is there any big time quarterback who did not appear in some form or other either in your story? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, but, but that's, that's, wait. I think Baker was mentioned. World. Baker Mayfield was mentioned. Ba- wasn't it? Baker was mentioned. Kyler uh, Murray. Certainly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's just, the, the, there's, it's a small world of quarterbacks. It really it, was, ba- was Baker at that. Uh, no, Baker was no. already at Texas tech by that, that I, thing. Was he? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, it's well, there's so many quarterbacks. You know, Tannehill was, uh, I think Tannehill was, oh, yeah, he was already in the pros for a few years by then. Yeah, he had, he had just been drafted. So yeah. that, yeah, wow. This is, yeah. it is crazy. Well, a- Andrew, it has been wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got to do, like, I'm going to bring you on at least once a year. We're going to play six degrees of Texas quarterbacks. I love it. I love it. And by the way, I, it's in the background. I, um, this summer, I read It Takes What It Takes. Uh, Woo! Dude, I love it. It's a great book. I was doing some research on some ideas. Like, uh, have you ever read the book Grit by Angela Duckworth? I have not read it yet. I, everybody tells me I need to. Very similar in theme. And um, yep. there's a lot of books like that that I'm really into these days. And it takes what it takes is like, just like sort of, I guess I it was like, like looking for a get up and do it kind of book. And yep. I really enjoyed it. I feel bad well, that I, I should have read it because Trevor was on the show last year. I didn't read it then, but uh, no, well, I really the, enjoyed the, it. You, the, you did a great the, job. The, the sequel, Getting to Neutral, is uh, is coming out in oh, really? uh, February. So, yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. That's great. Yep. Is it going to be a trilogy like uh, the Spider-Man movies? Well, hope so. Takes what it takes, I don't know. Getting well, to Neutral. It's, it's like, if it's like the Spider-Man movies, there's going to be 18 of them, so I, which, again, I'm fine with. Did you see the trailer for the new one? Do you know what's happening? I, I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. I'm so Instead ex- of two Spider-Men pointing at each other, it's three. <laughs> I know. This is, uh, I'm such a Marvel nerd. I can't wait for this. But uh, yeah. Is Willem Dafoe in it? That was his voice, right? I think he comes I back. So. I believe oh. so. I, 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 we can't I spoil. could not be more excited. That trailer so, yeah, gave so away we- about 70% of the movie, by the way. <laughs> Well, it, it's interesting because I, I think I think our Texas quarterback game is a multiverse too. Like there's yes, if you oh get a multiverse of Texas quarterbacks, it's, oh my it's God. just it's mind-boggling. And who played? Did like, Mac uh, Brown recruit you as a safety too? Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Texas safety. Sorry, Mac. We we we, lo- we love you, Mac. Sorry, had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, we can RG three will play himself. This will be unbelievable. This is going to be the oh best movie. Awesome. So much. Well, I probably got to let you go. I know there's, there's real life stuff to be done and you actually have a yeah. real job. So I'm going to wait for off. Yeah. By the way, Andy, so next much. time I can't wait till there's another intricate, complicated, dense college football story. Uh, and I'm going to make sure we get you on this time. And I'm going to ask Dan to make, make you answer the most technical question of all time. Just because you know, it will bore the audience. I'm just going to note zap it on Twitter. <laughs> Perfect buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Andy, that was fun, man.